So we are uh, continuing with our Ephesians study, Love Incorruptible. Um, We're going to be in chapter 3 today. Just like Isaiah had to work really hard uh, to get back and and give up a lot of time and effort uh, to be able to run that race and win uh, it. When I think about my life as a Christian and how hard it is sometimes, uh, it just, I mean, if I was a guy that had ACL surgery, I'm not sure that I would have been able to come back in that way as a track uh, runner. But as a Christian, sometimes I just feel like can't do this anymore. This is just too hard. I mean, it's just a lot. Ask of us as believers. Do you feel that way? Do you ever like just, this is just like too much sometimes? Um, I mean, we, we have to not sin. <laughs> we have to uh, try really hard to not be self, selfish and we have to love other people and we have to give and we have to serve and we have to get along with each other and, and we have differences of opinion about what that even means sometimes, what all that stuff means and we still have to try to strive for unity. Um, it's, it's just layer upon layer that seems like is, is piled on. I mean, can you think, I'm, I'm down here today um, it's a little claustrophobic for me up there, so I'm trying this out. So, and I just came from seminar, so I'm still in this mode a little bit. So we can do this, we're small. Uh, what, what are some things that you just find hard about the Christian life? So this is like response time. Things that you find hard about the Christian life. You can speak for somebody else, it's just hypothetically. I don't find this hard, but somebody else. Waiting. Okay, waiting on the Lord, waiting on on answered prayer, yeah, that's really good. Mystery, Mystery. yes, Paul talks about mystery today, you read ahead. Not getting complacent, complacent. yeah, it's really easy for us to just kind of fall back into a status quo kind of life as believers. Anything else come to mind? Yeah, a lot of hope uh, is is easy when we're in here and we get out and, and the week happens and we, the news happens and all of a sudden, oh, it's just overwhelming. Um, you ever think about like uh, how difficult it is just to represent God on this earth and, and just to, like the, as the church we have to uh, kind of answer for a lot of things. I mean, people come to us with these impossible questions that they want answered, like, how could your God, it's supposed to be loving, let this happen? You ever get that one from anybody? It, it's, it's hard to answer that, right? Um, why won't God answer my prayer? Seems so right and good. What? What's the deal? I, I don't know. And then 
we have to like speak or defend the church. I mean, there's all kind of junk going on all the time. I mean, every other week, there's like some scandal uh, in the church, like from some, the, the big, you know, church worldwide, somebody's, uh, some abuse scandal or some corruption scandal or uh, just the hypocrisy or the ineffectiveness of the church. Uh, we have to kind of answer for that. Like, I didn't do that. I didn't, it's not my church. It's not, I don't know that guy. But you're, you're kind of holding it against me because I'm a Christian, right? I mean, we, we get a lot of that. <sighs> it's hard. Um, and a lot of Christians just give up. A lot of Christians give up on the church. A lot of Christians give up on God or both. What's the answer for that stuff? What, when, it, when it just gets really hard. And let me just say, if it's not all that hard for you, I, maybe there's a reason that you need to look at it and then you need to talk to somebody about that because I think it kind of is supposed to be hard. Um, and, and Paul addresses that in the scripture that we're about to look at. Um, but what, what if, if it didn't have to be that way? I mean, what if we could get this glimpse that Paul's about to give us of, of a different way, a different perspective, uh, a different angle to look at, where no matter what circumstances you find yourself in today or tomorrow or this week, uh, that you have hope, that you have life, that you have joy, that you have peace. I know you want that. I want that. I want that for you. I want that for our church to be able to, to live in power uh, as the Holy Spirit just reigns in us and, and gives us the right perspective so that we don't just encounter these impossible circumstances or these things that just get to us and all of a sudden we don't know what to do. And our, our brothers and sisters or the church or uh, our good theology, uh, our, our scripture is just not there for us. We, we, we don't go to it. We just wallow in the circumstances. Paul is basically throughout Ephesians, and more specifically in this passage that we're going to look at in Ephesians 3, is, is calling us into a new identity. Uh, that We've talked about it throughout, uh, that we are in Christ. And, and the implications of that are huge. That we have a new way to think, a new way to live, a new way to react and act in the world. And I, I believe that in these 13 verses that we're going to look at, that basically what he's telling us and what he wants us to get a, a, a grasp on is that the more we value the gospel of Jesus, the more we value the gospel of Jesus, the more strength we will have to live this Christian life, to live in Christ, to be in Christ. The more we value the gospel, the more strength is going to be supplied to us to live this life. Um, Jesus didn't ever say, I mean, in, in fact, he, he was very clear with his disciples that this life is not going to be easy. In it, you will have what? Trouble. <laughs> that was his, like some of his parting words to, to these people that followed him around. Uh, before he went to the cross. Like, you're going to have trouble. I, I can't, I, I'm not like 
just everything's not going to be just perfect for you from here on out just because I was here and just because of what I'm about to do. In this life, you will have trouble. But he didn't stop there. What else did he say? Right, be brave or take heart. I have overcome the world. And I don't think they had a clue what that meant. They had to live into that afterwards. But even Jesus in his humanity struggled in the garden when he prayed, like, is there a different way, God? Is there, is there another way? Take this cup from me. Uh, but if not, your will be done. Uh, he was uh, anguished in that moment. Paul, we're about to see, has a firm grip on those words of Jesus. That there's going to be trouble. There is trouble in his life. And yet we can take heart or he can take heart because Jesus, the, the God that he serves, has overcome the world. So if you got your uh, Ephesians book or a regular Bible and you want to take that out and follow along, we're in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. And uh, the first thing that I want us to see here in the midst of this big statement that the more we value the gospel, the more strength we're going to have to live for Christ, is that the more we value the gospel, the more hardship we are willing and able to endure in order to faithfully live out the gospel and to share it. Okay, so in verse 1, uh, Paul starts with, with a, basically a prayer. He, he is beginning to pray uh, for the Ephesian believers. He says, for this reason, all, all the things that he's just talked about in chapter 2, uh, the unity of the church, the way that he's brought the, 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 this big news to the table, that the Gentiles are included in the church, and so uh, that we are one in Christ. Uh, he, he says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles... So, and then he just stops. Like, that's as far as he gets in the prayer. He, he, he doesn't pick the prayer back up until verse 14. So we've got this huge parentheses, or this wild goose chase that, that, uh, that, that Jesus is going to be on right now. Uh, and in that, he, he just kind of gets stuck on some really important things that he wants, to, wants us to know, wants the Ephesian believers to know. And then he ends... If you go down to the very end of this passage in verse 13 with something similar uh, that he starts with. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I, am, what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. The more hardship we are willing and able to endure in order to faithfully live the gospel and share it is directly related to how much we value the gospel. Paul knew this. He is in prison. And yet he doesn't say, I, Paul, a prisoner of Nero, a prisoner of Rome. He says he is a prisoner of Christ. Now, did Christ put Paul in jail? No. He was put in jail by the authorities for preaching the gospel. And yet, he doesn't even give them credit for it. He says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus. In other words... Jesus has a hold of me. I am his servant. The 
powers that be can do what they do. Give to Caesar what is Caesar. But I belong to Jesus. And if Jesus wants me in jail, that's fine. The gospel won't be thwarted. If Jesus wants me out of jail, fine. I'll preach the gospel. If Jesus wants me rich, fine. I'll use the money wisely. If Jesus wants me poor, fine. I'll trust in God. You get, Paul understands this. There's going to be trouble. But he knows his God, his, his Lord, his Savior has overcome the world. The greater you treasure something, the more you treasure something, the more you're going to fight for it. The more you're going to protect it. I mean, kids, your, your mom could be like all over you about like, you didn't do your chores, you didn't do your homework, you didn't clean your room, and you're just at odds with her, right? And then somebody comes along and, and they do something to try to harm you, or they say something bad about you. And your mom just becomes like the Hulk. And she is all, and you're like, whoa, mom is defending me. She was just mad at me, and now she's like my champion. Uh, I mean, that's what this is about. Uh, When we value something, we're going to defend it. We're going to fight for it. And our kids are are one of the, you know, prime examples of that. We will do anything uh, to, to protect them. Let's back up a little bit and answer a question that I think is important. What is the gospel? We, we need to like define that because that's pretty important. If we're going to value uh, something, we need to know what we're valuing. Um, because the gospel is not just about getting to heaven. I mean, I, Christians for too long have taken this evangelical approach to just winning souls and, and getting you know boxes checked and getting people into heaven. And certainly that's part of it, maybe not the boxes, but uh, it it is important that we share Christ in that way and give people opportunity to respond. Uh, That is part of preaching the gospel. But the gospel is so much more than that. Um, The gospel is good news for all people. We've just heard uh, Paul explain that, that it's not just for the Jews. It's for all people. All people. We're not special we're not privileged in any other way except that God in his grace has shown mercy to us and, and brought us into his kingdom. And so uh, th- this good news is for everybody. It's a proclamation that Jesus is on the scene. Uh, the, the gospel is an announcement that, that the, the God of heaven is Jesus. And he has come to deliver the world. He has come to be a sacrificial lamb for you, for your sins, to take away your sin. He has been resurrected in in defeat of death and sin. And he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's reigning and he's ruling over a kingdom that has yet to come fully, but has already begun to create uh, redemption and restoration in the world, to uh, to reverse all the damage, everything that sin has taken away, everything that sin has stolen from you and from me and from the world. He's redeeming that. He's bringing it back to life. And he's coming again to judge every living man and woman that's ever existed. And he's going to take his followers up to eternity 
with him, to enjoy him forever. That's the gospel and so much more. That's the gospel that we preach. It's not a simple thing, it's, and yet it is. It's not something you can just pray a quick prayer for, and yet it is. It's constantly unfolding in our life as God sanctifies us, as we're discipled through this life, and we become closer and closer to him. So, as we're thinking about, okay, this is, Paul obviously values this gospel enough to go to prison for it. And the question I have to ask myself, and you have to ask yourself is, do I? Do I value the gospel that much to go to prison for it? Uh, Because that's a pretty big thing. Now, it's also a thing that everybody's sitting here right now and thinking, I'll never have to do that, right? This is the preacher talk stuff, you know. Uh, None of us are probably going to have to go to, to prison for the gospel, uh, it's very possible that some of you will. Uh, it may not be in this country, as God calls you somewhere else. So that is a possibility. You don't know where God's going to take you. And we don't really know what's going to happen. So let's just say it is a possibility. Are we willing to go to prison? Uh, so if we start there, then let's, let's back up a couple of notches. Are we willing to like, be ridiculed for the sake of the gospel? To be made fun of, like you're so irrelevant. Like that's that. Nobody talks that way anymore. We don't. We don't. It's not the way things work. Um, for you to 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 share that out in the world, in that in, in a way that sounds almost confrontational. Like I have my own faith. I, whatever I, you know, we we live in this world of relativism, and so. It's easy for somebody to come back and just say, yeah, that's, that's good for you. You know, I got this. Um, are you willing to stay the course and continue to, to love and share uh, the truth of the gospel with people? Um, do we value it enough to even really study it? Like to really know it, to, to, to get into it and, and let it get into us? Do we really value it enough to spend the time to do that? Um, what about taking risk for it? Uh, just not always being so safe about how we live our life. I'm not talking about jumping off of cliffs or something. I'm talking about being willing to, to do and to go wherever the, the Spirit calls you. Or do you, you have boundaries on that? Like, I'll only do this for you, God. I mean, God, it, he's going to be loving and he's going to be kind. He's going to be gentle most of the time uh, because that's his nature. But don't build those walls up and expect that he can't knock them down. He's bigger than those walls. So you need to stay open to what God might want to do in your life. Because sometimes he calls his children to do crazy things. And we need to be ready for that. We need to be open to that. We need to value the gospel uh, so much that we're, uh, we're, we're ready for whatever he brings Uh, And he will bring us the power, the strength to be able to endure it. Okay? All right. So next thing is, the more we value the gospel, the more strength we will have to live for Christ. And the more we will understand God's grace. Look over at verse 2 through 8. Let's read this. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation... 
as I have written briefly, this mystery, the mystery of the gospel, the mystery that, that uh, the Lord uh, is available for everyone. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it, is now, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This is new information uh, that, that's on the scene now. The mystery, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Verse 7, of this gospel... I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am very least of all the saints, remember Paul has talked about this before or in other places, uh, that he was the chief of sinners. I mean, he was the persecutor of Christians. He, he's humble uh, about uh, the way that God has chosen him. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. The more we value the gospel, the more we will understand God's grace. Paul had a keen understanding of what grace was for. And he knew that grace was active. We tend to think of grace as just this gift, but grace, it fuels activity in, our, in the life of a believer. It fuels evangelism. Uh, in, in Paul's uh, account here, that this grace was given to him so that he could preach the gospel. Grace has been given to each one of us so that we can share the gospel. Grace births ministry. If you have been given grace, you have been given a ministry. I promise you. I don't know you know, how that sits with you right now as far as what even capacity you think about uh, ministry in. But each one of you, as a believer in Jesus, no matter how old you are, how young you are, you have been given a ministry. You have some type of ministry in the body of Christ. And, and it's that grace that fuels it. So know that it's there for you. Know that it's possible for you. Uh, don't run from it. Grasp it. Uh, try to take hold of it. Um, we tend to see our ministries, and it's, you know, we, we tend to see grace as just this gift, but we tend to see our ministry as a gift to God. Paul, on the other hand, sees it as God's gift to Paul. God's allowing us to participate in his activity by giving us a ministry. He doesn't need us. You don't have a, a, enough to give God that's going to impress God. But if God wants to, in his love, give you this gift of ministry to be used by him, then it's going to bless him. That's, it's it's going to come full circle in that way. And so, it, But it's actually God's gift to you, to us, that we get to participate in God's activity, that we get to, to be involved in ministry. Um, want that, desire it, pray for it. Ask, ask the people around you, ask your congregant, what do you think my ministry is? I'm really searching for this. We all need to start identifying this even more. It's very important that we be a body that is in touch with what our ministry is and what we're doing as individuals and how that comes together. And then when we also understand that it's God that's given us this, it keeps us humble. I mean, there's a lot of celebrity Christians out there that are awesome at what they do. 
I mean, there's no arguing that. Some are celebrity Christians and think they're awesome at what they do, but, um, but there's some legitimately awesome ones, right? Uh, but the minute we begin to, to lose touch with the fact that we uh, have been given this ministry and it's not of our own doing, um, we get prideful. And it's very easy to do it. So some of, you know, it may apply to you as you do ministry. Um, it, it's, it's a trap. It's a temptation that the enemy wants to set for you that uh, you are doing this. This is all about me. Uh, so uh, watch out for that. All right, verse 9. Moving on. The more we value the gospel, the more strength we will have to live for Christ and the more power our church will have. Verse 9. And to bring to light... For everyone, what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are gospel people. That's actually what the term evangelical means. Now, I know that's a bad term to a lot of people because of all the stuff that's been tacked onto it. But so if we don't need to use that, if we don't need to redeem that, let's redeem it in the form of, of saying we're gospel people because that's who we are. That's what the church is. And when the church gets in touch, in touch with its function, with its purpose, like Paul is talking about here, that this was according to the eternal purpose. Before time, God had it in mind for the church to be his vessel for ministry in the world, to share, to proclaim this good news that we call the gospel. And he, and he says, uh, it's through the church that the manifold wisdom of God uh, might be made known. And it's not just made known in the world, like, you know, we're sharing it, we're a good example, and we're doing, you know, good proclamation type stuff. But he says, to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, there is a cosmic uh, aspect to the church and the sharing of the gospel. Like, this, this touches into the spiritual realms that the church is proclaiming this truth about God. And that's a pretty big deal. And that's a pretty big deal for us to be a part of. And so when we get in line with God in that way, the church is going to have power. Uh, when we live in unity with one another uh, and, and together uh, proclaim the gospel, uh, when we learn to define our lives by the gospel, there's going to be power. When we are able to solve our problems by applying the truth of the gospel, there's going to be power. When we uh, stand distinct from the culture around us in, in certain ways, in certain times, uh, there's going to be power for that. When we care for the truth, when we study it, when we protect it from being redefined by the world or slandered, when we live the gospel, when we share it with other people, uh, when we're uh, able to hand it to the next generation, there's power in all that. For the church. We need to be about that. Don't give up on the church. All that stuff I said before is absolutely true. It's a mess. We're a mess. We're fallen people. Uh, we're sinners. We're right where we need to be. 
together in this uh, hospital of sorts to try to help each other figure this out. And, and it's okay to limp in and, and, and get revived in your soul when you're with one another. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with the, the church either. God hasn't given up on his bride. And that's the language Paul goes on to use later on in Ephesians, uh, that he has uh, uh, spoken of the church in ways in which uh, a, a, a groom would look to uh, his, his bride and the beauty that she possesses. God in Jesus is in love with you. He is in love with you. He thinks about you all the time. He thinks about ways to spend time with you, to embrace you, to comfort you, to help you, to lift you up, to, to make you smile, to give you purpose, to give you joy. He is on the move constantly to pursue you, to court you. He never gives up. No matter what we do, he's still there. His love is unconditional. Don't ever forget that. No matter how bad it seems, we're part of something that God loves deeply. In fact, the whole story of the Bible is about that. It begins with a narrative about a, a, a man and a woman and, and basically a marriage. And it ends with the wedding feast of the lamb, when he, with him coming back for his bride, who is beautiful and radiant. The church will have power when it loves the gospel. All right, and then finally... The more we value the gospel, the more strength we will have to live for Christ and the more confidence we will have that we are in the center of God's will. We all want to be in the center of God's will. We want to know what we're supposed to be doing, know what we're supposed to be about. In Christ means to be in the center of God's will. Christ determined who Paul was, not his circumstances. When he says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Paul's not defeated. Paul's not feeling sorry for himself. He says, I have boldness in this prison. I have confidence through faith in him. And you can too. That's the message he wants to send to believers. Discouragement is okay, though. And it's not to say that Paul never got discouraged. And, and you're not supposed to just you know, smile all the time and, and pretend uh, sometimes it's, it's okay to pretend and, you know, just kind of get through it. But it's okay to be discouraged, too. They, uh, the writers of the Psalms and some of the prophets had a, uh, a good understanding for this. They called it lament. And when they would cry out to God and just get honest with him about how terrible everything was, uh, how, how frustrated they were with God, and then come full circle, or, or at least to the point where, but where else am I going to go? I, I, I still believe. You're still God. I still want you. I still trust you. And, and sometimes that's the only way we can get to that place, is by being honest about how bad things are. 
So it's okay to, to be honest with God. It's okay to let go in that way. All right, so what do we do now? How do we treasure the gospel more? That's going to be important for us as we move forward. Um, what, what's this going to look like tomorrow when life hits us? Um, the first thing I think we need to keep in mind is to remind ourselves that we are gospel people. Somehow, some way, remind, just remind each other, remind yourself, uh, put this by your bed just so you see it in the morning and just say, I'm a, I'm a gospel person. You got, I don't know if you I got a bunch of Bibles. Like, use the Bibles to decorate around the house. Okay, I know it's silly, but it, it kind of has more power than a sticky note. So, like, get an old Bible and stick it in the, on your bathroom vanity. Uh, put, put one on the kitchen table. Just everywhere you go in the house, like, see a Bible and just re, be reminded, I'm a gospel person. I, I live, I'm created. My purpose is to live in light of the gospel and to share it with other people. And, and then just as a homework assignment, as you walk by one of those uh, this week, pick it up and read John 17. This is Jesus' prayer for you, for me, as we live out this truth. So uh, read that uh, sometime this week, John 17. All right, next thing is to thank God for his grace. Just pray, just let him know that you, you appreciate that he has given you grace, that he has given you a ministry. Um, remember from chapter 1? That grace that he lavished upon us. I mean, thank him for that. And with that gift, just know that there's a responsibility that for you to be a steward of it in some way, shape, or form. Ask him, how, how do you want me to show that grace to others this week, God? I recognize that you've given it to me for a reason. Well, what do you want me to do with that this week, tomorrow, tonight? And then uh, strive for unity in the church. Uh, I mean, we, we love each other. We get along. This is, this is easy most of the time, but it's not always easy. Sometimes we get on each other's nerves. Sometimes we disagree. Sometimes we, we uh, find out that we believe quite differently on some things. Strive for unity above all else. Sometimes it's better to, in conversations, just, just try to like, find common ground more than define differences. Some of you are really good at arguing. You love to argue. Um, try to set that aside enough to also find some common ground. Um, this is where that incorruptible love has to come in as we uh, relate to one another. And um, Do this with one another, absolutely, but there's more Christians in this town, and so do it with them too. Uh, do it with other churches. Thad talked about uh, going to other churches, uh, whether it's racial uh, divides that you're breaking down by going to a, another church or uh, just somebody that's like completely different than you. Go and be with those people and, and do your part just to seek unity in the church in Bryan College Station. And the last thing is to be confident in Christ, uh, in prayer and in life. Uh, we have this boldness, we have this confidence in Christ. All right, so just, I mean, as we kind of close out, um, I just want you to bow your head and just imagine your life. Just imagine, like, how things might be different if I just really valued, if I really treasured the gospel more. What, what changes would that make in me? What changes would it make in my family, in my marriage, in my parenting? What changes would it make in me at work?
How would I approach life? How would I approach uh, culture? How would I approach unbelievers? Think about the transformation that could take place in our church if we really valued the gospel. If we just lived, eat, and breathe the gospel in such a way that, that we're, we're always ready to share. We're always ready for the opportunity to live into it uh, in, in the ways that God puts us in circumstances in the world. And, and I believe that we will see a new power evident in our lives and in the life of our church. I believe that we will see people coming to know the Lord in ways that we could have never imagined as we're out and about reaching out to people with the love of Christ. When we value the good news of Jesus more than anything else, we're going to have strength for the journey. We're going to have peace that passes all understanding, joy that's infectious. We're going to see people's lives change. We're going to come alive. And we're going to be a part of God's plan to save the world. Like you are an avenger. You are a part of this plan to save the world. God has ordained you. He's called you out. He's made you separate for that reason. As we begin for, to, to prepare for communion, I want to skip down to the prayer that Paul actually started uh, to pray. And I want to pray this over you. I want to let Paul pray it over you. I want to let the, let the Holy Spirit pray it over you. And then we'll come and we'll take communion together. And then we'll continue to worship. The title in, in this little book is, uh, of this section is Prayer for Spiritual Strength. And so that's what this is. Prayer for your spiritual strength for our spiritual strength, for the person next to you, spiritual strength, for this church's spiritual strength. When Paul says, for this reason, he gets back to that. He finally got to the reason. I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Just receive this from the Lord, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ever ask or think, according to the power or work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Come and receive the Lord's blessing.